It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked on Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, hey, at least just a start. Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday and a lot to do as we have to recap the Falcons draft. Of course, we have a huge series between the Braves and Atlanta Mets, the Braves and Atlanta Mets, the Mets and the Braves coming up here that we will preview before the end of the show. I'm so excited about the Braves that I'm screwing up the team. So there's a lot of news going on right now. The Mets just released Robinson Cano. The Falcons have some news as well, but Let's recap the NFL draft as we start the show today, because I think that was something that, you know, we focused on last week. And I kept reminding everybody, and as disappointed as I was, disappointed is not the right word, as misunderstood as I felt about the drafting of Drake London with the eighth overall pick, I kept reminding everybody it was about the totality of the draft and that this is something that when you're in a rebuild, they've really got to get the entire draft right. Uh, They have to really fill out a process that, you know, at least take the beginning steps of that process and and begin to rebuild this roster. And overall, I thought they did a good job. I I think there's a lot of wait and see. I think there's a lot of questions. There's a lot we don't know yet. Um, Generally, I think people feel good about the Falcons draft. I think wholeheartedly they would feel better if they got a pass rusher in the first round. That's just generally how, how people feel. I think they would feel better if they got a premier tackle in the first round. I just think generally that's how people feel as opposed to a wide receiver. Now that said, um, the way the draft unfolded for the Atlanta Falcons is quite interesting. They, they take Arnold Ebicady in the second round, the edge rusher from Penn state. Uh, and while that's exactly what they needed is he as polished as some of the other guys in the draft. No, um, it'll really be a real question whether somebody like Jermaine Johnson, who the Falcons passed on uh, versus Ebicady, who may end up being the better player, right? Like that'll be in in reflection and looking back on the draft two or three years from now, that'll be the comparison. Well, you pass on Jermaine Johnson and you took Evan Katie, right? You took a receiver and you pass on Jermaine Johnson and here we are. Evan Katie stinks, Drake London's okay, but Jermaine Johnson is, is huge, right? Like that could be the conversation in two years or it could be vice versa. There's a reason Jermaine Johnson fell in the draft. Thank God the Falcons didn't take him. They were so pass rusher starved. And look what fell to them in the second round. This Arnold Ebicady guy who's amazing. Uh, and he's been a real, you know, stalwart on their defense. Both of those conversations are, are, are extremely possible. And I think that's why it's wait and see. And then, of course, the third round rolled around. Uh, and with their first pick in the third round, well, <laughs> I was screaming for the Falcons to take a quarterback. I thought a quarterback was going to go. I thought somebody would have taken a quarterback by then. But guess what? The Falcons went all the way to the depths of Montana State to find Trey Anderson, uh, Troy Anderson, rather, the linebacker out of uh, out of Montana State. And uh, everyone went, who? What? Eh? Who? Yeah, because nobody watched Montana State play. But I'll trust NFL scouts and I'll trust the Falcons that – They've watched enough of Troy Anderson to know that he's going to make an impact on this team. And this team badly needed linebackers. That much I will say. That felt like, to me, the best player available, the best linebacker available, the guy that we scouted the hardest and has the most of what we're looking for in a player to fill an immediate lead because we don't have any linebackers on this roster that are worth a damn. 
from that standpoint, I'm okay with it. Don't know the name. Didn't watch him play. We'll have to learn it along the way, all of us, because don't lie, sit here and lie to me and say you watched a ton of Montana State football. No, you didn't. Uh, we're all doing the same thing about it. There, there are a select few who have and think the kid grades out really well. We'll see where it goes. But then, I, because I was screaming about like, hey, remember I told you guys on Friday, take the quarterback. It only makes sense. Take the quarterback. It only makes sense. Take the guy who's going to be throwing passes to Drake London for the next five years. And they finally did that with Desmond Ritter. Uh, and this is a guy right now that there's not a lot of pressure on because he fell, he slipped, right? He was the second quarterback taken in the draft uh, with pick 70, 82 rather overall in the third round of the NFL draft. And then of course, you know, Malik Willis and Matt Corral both go and uh, you know, history is written, but that doesn't mean that Desmond Ritter won't get calls to start. That doesn't mean that Desmond Ritter won't be expected to perform. That doesn't mean that there's not a chance that he won't play this year. I think the important part is, is that when Desmond Ritter finally gets a chance to take a shot at the starting role, that he understands the offense, he understands the tempo, he understands, you know, all those things. So they will bring him along slowly. Marcus Mariota is going to be the, the starter week one. There's barring an injury. There's no doubt about that. Now, again, we've seen it happen before. Hell, Joe Flacco got his start. In the NFL that way, I was there to cover it. Uh, it was Kyle Bolu who got hurt and somebody else got sick. I forget who the backup was. Was it Tyrod Taylor? I forget who it was. Anyway, um, I forget who the backup was. Anthony Wright, maybe, but whatever. Joe Flacco started week one. They never looked back. Uh, is that possibility there? Yeah, and me, I'm kind of hoping it happens. What the hell? Why not? If you're going to stink this year and miss the playoffs, do it with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. At least you know if the, the guy can play. I'm going to say it over and over again. All I want to do is find out if the guy can play, and I can't find out if he can play from the bench. I really, really can't. So uh, let's see what the Falcons do with that. And then, of course, they round out the rest of the draft with another edge rusher, D'Angelo Malone. Um, they get Tyler Algier, a running back from BYU in the sixth round, Justin Schaefer from Georgia, and John Fitzpatrick from Georgia. So they drafted two Georgia folks in the sixth and seventh round. Bulldog fans rejoice. Yay, finally, Falcons drafted somebody from Georgia. Nah, whatever. Um, Schaefer may end up getting some cracks at the O-line here because still they didn't really address that at all. Uh, and it's going to be a problem. Uh, we don't have two tackles. You don't have two guards. And I'm not sure what your center is yet. The only thing I know is that Jake Matthews and uh, Chris Lindstrom are good. That's it. 60% of the offensive line, I have no clue what I'm going to get from them. And that's a problem why your quarterback gets sacked a lot. And someone said, maybe don't, don't draft, a, don't start Desmond Ritter. You're going to get him killed. At least he can run. At least he can run. So uh, they didn't address the offensive line of the draft. Would have liked to have seen them done that. Uh, and And clearly, you know, they tried to draft at least one position of need across the board, thought maybe they would go get another corner or another defensive back. Uh, that seems like a bigger priority to me, but maybe the draft board didn't go that way for them. All in all, again, I think it was good. I don't think it was bad. I don't think there was there was a, a real home run in any of this. I, I, I don't think they did terrible, but I do just feel like, you know, uh, this is wait and see. And, and today the news that the Falcons are cutting running back Mike Davis uh, and so Tyler Algier will have a chance to play a role uh, along with uh, the, the rest of the running back room that is still there. And I don't know if any of it's any good, but Kadri Allison is still hanging around. Uh, and I'm not really sure who else is going to run the ball for this team. Obviously, Cordero Patterson will do a lot of it. But that said, uh, it's interesting that they cut Mike Davis and said goodbye. In fairness to that decision, he played bad last year. He was terrible. Um, there was no reason to let him hang around and pay him that kind of money. Plus, they had to free up some salary cap space. They still have to sign draft picks. So 
Uh, there's a slotted amount of money and a lot of amount of money that they need to be able to sign draft picks. And at this point, obviously, they don't have it given their cap space. So uh, Mike Davis was an expendable commodity, especially with them drafting another running back. And so this is where this team is right now. I don't think that this is anything other than steps in the process. It's building blocks. Maybe they'll sign a couple of other players that could help them along the way. Maybe there's some undrafted free agents. And again, that's really where you test the metal of your front office staff. If you get some undrafted free agents who turn into everyday starters in this league, you're doing something really well. That's what makes the Ravens so successful. That's what makes the Steelers so successful. That's what makes the Packers so successful. They find undrafted free agents and turn them into everyday starters. And that's really what you need. That's where the homework is done. And if they can get that, then guess what? You know, this draft cast may turn out to be one of those draft classes that really um, is memorable for this team going forward. So uh, all in all, good job. Don't think it was terrible, but I certainly don't think it was great. Let's see what Drake London turns out to be. Let's see how this whole thing pans out because long story short, I mean, you know, it's going to be way too early within this year to figure out what they are and what they're going to be. All right, coming up next, uh, our good buddy Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons will join us, and we'll recap the draft with him. And, of course, before the end of the show, Mets, Braves, huge series coming up. Everybody panic if you're a Braves fan. Just kidding. We'll be right back. It is A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. And welcome back into A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Check out the entire Locked On lineup that we have here in Atlanta, building something great. So glad you guys could be a part of it. A lot of great shows here. Along with A to Z, it's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones, Jarvis Davis, and Tanitra Batiste. Don't forget about Locked On Hawks, Locked On Falcons, and our Braves postcast with Grant McCauley. You just heard me mention Locked On Falcons. And now let's welcome in from Locked On Falcons, our good friend Aaron Freeman, as he joins us here on A to Z to recap the NFL draft. All right, I just said a moment ago, I thought it was a good draft. I didn't think it was anything spectacular. I think generally on the whole, people would feel a lot more excited about this draft had they got a pass rusher in the first round. I think they'd feel a lot more excited if they had an offensive tackle in the first round. But we are here with Drake London in the first round and a wide receiver. And I think they address several positions of need across the board. We'll get to quarterback in a minute. But on the whole, generally, how do you feel like they did with the draft? I think they drafted some good players, right? And that's kind of the low bar that the Falcons have to clear uh, <laughs> just to get some good players in the building. I think these are a, a collection of players that can certainly be some impact guys at some key positions uh, in a couple of years. Obviously, several of these guys will probably play a lot this year. I don't know if that's going to really move the needle for the team in 2022. But certainly once you start to see those guys start to develop in 2023 and 2024 and beyond, I think there's a chance that we can look back at this draft class and say it's one of the better ones the Falcons have had in the last decade. Yeah, a moment ago about the undrafted free agent, everybody else, like find a couple of those diamonds in the rough that end up being viable options just because they need so many things. And I think a lot of those guys are going to get a chance. They'll get a chance to at least make the roster a full chance to make the roster. And if they're on the roster, they'll get a chance to play. Now, that said, uh, beyond Drake London, you know, in, in round two, they get Arnold. Uh, oh, my God. Ebicady. Takes me a second to remember. His name. Arnold Ebicady from Penn State. Reaction to him. Uh, and I, I, I think in general, Forever will be comparing, did they pass on Jermaine Johnson for Ebicady? Was that the right wrong move? And how does that work out? Like, that'll be the whole thing. 
Yeah, I, I think Ebiketti's a, a, a really good player. Uh, I think he's certainly probably day one is is the Falcons' best pass rusher uh, immediately. That probably could have been said of probably any of the pass rushers they could have taken in the first uh, couple of rounds. Uh, so I, I think he has the potential to grow into a really good player. Um, I was recently comparing him on Locked on Falcons that like when you look at him athletically, um, there's similarities between him and say a Brian Burns type of player. I don't think he's quite to the same degree, the same pedigree coming into the league. Uh, but certainly if the Falcons can develop him and he's working with uh, our guy, Chuck Smith, um, you know, I think there's a chance uh, that he can be a really good player and potentially a, you know, an alpha pass rusher for this team, which desperately needs someone to step in that role because it's been what, eight years since John Abraham was here, uh, more years since they had that type of player. I think Ebiketti has that type of potential, but obviously everything hinges on the Falcons being able to maximize it and develop him. All right. And the other pass rush that they went and got, which everybody is obviously familiar with. I mean, you know, how much Montana State football you watch, really? I mean, you know, uh, Troy Anderson, a linebacker, chin of need. They don't have a lot of quality linebackers on this roster. Um, you know, Deion Jones is – a huge question mark, but they lose Foyer, and you know now you're in a situation where you just have a void there. So this was more of a necessity. But what do we really know about anybody from Montana State, right? Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Falcons fit Anderson into the mold because you know he's a good athlete, tested extremely well at the combine, uh, has that same sort of sideline to sideline range and speed, and has coverage potential. Um, and you're looking at a kind of a similar player to Deion Jones in that regard. And the question marks around Troy Anderson is, you know, his ability to play downhill against the run, his ability to deal with blockers uh, on the second level, you know, trying to, uh, you know, avoid and, and shed those 300 pound offensive linemen as they climb to the second level. That was a major problem for Deion Jones, as well as several other linebackers the Falcons have had the last couple of years. So I don't think Anderson you know, as a player is really changing the math on that. But again, it, it gets down to can they develop him um, in, you know, if he adds value uh, to their coverage units, I think that'll be a plus for them. And, you know, Deion Jones, I know, has been much maligned in the last couple of years because of some down years. But it, it wasn't that long ago that Deion Jones was actually a, a pretty good player for the Falcons. Yeah, well, I mean, remember when he came out, he was probably one of the better cover linebackers in the league in his first two years. Uh, that was what he was really good at in Dan Quinn's defense. And, yeah, much more because his play has stunk the last two years. I mean, that's just what it boils down to. I mean, objectively, I don't think there's any other way to phrase it. Once the guy got paid, it all kind of just went, uh, as far as his play is concerned. That happens. You know, again, it, it, it's part of, you know, life in the NFL, so to speak. All right, uh, again, hold off on the quarterback. We're going to get to that in a minute. But of the rest of the pass, uh, rest of the picks, rather, whether it's the pass rush of Malone, Algier, the two Georgia players, I mean, what did you make? Uh, which Which guys kind of – pique your interest the most at this point well i mean for me algier is probably the most interesting especially in light of the falcons cutting mike davis this morning now he's got a real opportunity to come in and, and do some things i didn't really i wasn't that impressed with him as a as a player at byu i think he was very productive and, and certainly a player that can play in the nfl and probably be like a role player type of player um but i, I wasn't like blown away like oh this guy's definitely going to be a lead tailback in the NFL, he just kind of feels similar to the running backs the Falcons have drafted in recent years, like Edo Smith and Brian Hill and Quadri Olson, a guy that can add depth and, and maybe contribute off the bench. But now with kind of a, a pretty significant void uh, at the running back position uh, with Mike Davis's release in terms of, you know, who was actually getting the ball last year, it was basically him and Patterson being a one-two punch. You know, there's a void there. And so maybe potentially Algier can fill that 
uh, moving forward. So he's probably the one interesting guy. I think the rest of the guys are just kind of role players. You know, I, I actually was semi-excited about the running back. I was watching some of his highlights on YouTube and everything and just watching him play. And then you listed off the list of all the running backs the Falcons have drafted. I go, you're right. He is exactly like those guys. And they all stink. You just ruined it for me, Aaron. You just absolutely ruined it for me. Brian Hill and Edo Smith. Edo Smith was smaller than me, bro. Like they put an NFL running back on the roster that's my size. Do better. Do better overall. Anyway. Okay. It's what it's what I'm known for is ruining the, the things that people get excited for with the Falcons. Hey, listen, anybody who knows who listens to this show knows that their day gets ruined on a routine basis. But we still appreciate you. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, and I'm curious about Justin Schaefer and what the plan is for him. Uh, and forget the Georgia connection. We we blow that thing out of, out of proportion way too much. But there is a need for a guard on this team. And I don't know if – I don't think the plan is to plug and play him initially, but uh, likelihood he could be playing on this offensive line that's still 60% is not locked down by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, Schaefer is an interesting player because when I watched him at Georgia, I was like, eh, he's not, I, don't, I don't know if he's that good. Like, he, he's kind of the weaker links of their – of that championship caliber roster. Um, and so like, it just feels like you're, you're throwing a very similar player at Jalen Mayfield to push him, which is a guy that's known for his toughness and his competitiveness, but may have the athletic limitations and the scheme limitations to be a successful NFL player. So I don't know if, you know, I, I guess it's a harsh way of saying it, but I don't know if two wrongs make a right for the Falcons at yeah. that left guard competition. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the Falcons, you know, maybe go out this summer and, and try to bring in a veteran player that's maybe a little bit more proven at that position to come in and, and really give both of those guys a run at their money, or are they just content to hope that, you know, through the power of competition, one of these guys will emerge into a decent NFL yeah. player? All right. Desmond Ritter, 82nd selection overall in the third round. The Falcons get their quarterback. Uh, and that's a wrong way for me to phrase it in reality, right? Falcons get their quarterback uh, because that's, putting a lot more emphasis on somebody who is a 82nd pick overall in the draft. Now that said, and I said this on Friday and obviously you listen because you listen to A to Z every day as everybody else does. But that said, uh, I demanded that they take a quarterback on day two because it only made sense after taking the wide receiver, go full on counterculture, at least get the guy that theoretically is going to be throwing in passes for the next five years. And for the next four years of Kyle Pitts, because it doesn't make any sense to draft those two guys in back-to-back -back years, have no offensive line, change quarterbacks after another year, and then try to find by year three of Drake London on the team in year four of Kyle Pitts any sense of stability. Like, you don't get a good sense of what those guys can be as far as their fifth-year option is concerned because you've had so much change in the offense and in personnel. At least now with Desmond Ritter here, there's a sense they can start to work together. There's a sense that those guys can be in meeting rooms together and talk and connect and, you know, start to build some foundation, even if Ritter doesn't play. So I'm glad that they finally took a quarterback. Now, again, how much is he going to play? When is he going to play? Look, I, I would bet a large sum of money he is starting at least a game this year, whether it be the injury or, or any other reason. But they're, they're going to find out, and he's going to get some live bullet live game reps before the end of the year. I absolutely guarantee you that, especially with all the quarters quarterbacks, allegedly coming out next year but uh they'll find out if this is the guy one way or another and i think that's the only thing they're charged with is to find out if desmond ritter can play yeah i think that's a good way of putting it i think that's kind of the the overarching mission for this season is can desmond ritter play and you know 
their goal is to get him ready to play at some point this season because you want to find out if he is the guy because, you know, Zeno, I don't know how you feel about the Falcons. I still feel like they're probably going to be picking the top five this year, even <laughs> after this draft class. And so that's what I thought. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, I, I feel like they are going to be in a position where there's going to be some potential quarterbacks in, at the top of next year's draft, and they need to know, is Redder the guy? To, for us to pass on one of these quarterbacks if we're picking there and go for someone like a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, one of these big-time defensive studs on the defensive side and, and move forward with those guys as opposed to one of these quarterbacks. So you need to find out what you know with Ritter. And, you know, I don't think starting one game is going to cut it. I think you're going to probably need to start him for like six to eight games. And so the mission right now is to get him ready to play. And I think he has the, the skill set to be one of the more pro-ready quarterbacks in this draft class. The question is just going to be, is he going to an environment here in Atlanta that is conducive to quarterback success? We've seen a lot of guys last year that were much more talented quarterbacks than Desmond Ritter go to bad environments and struggle in the NFL. And it's that's going to be something that is going to be looming over the shoulder of this Falcons organization for the next, you know, six to nine months. Thrown to the wolves. That's, that's all I can tell you. Look, again, it happened to Tua. It happened to Jalen Hurts. It happened to Joe Burrow. It happened to Josh Rosen. Some of those guys could play, and some of them can't. Now, is the jury still out on guys like Tua and Jalen Hurts? Maybe, but they've played well enough that the organization is willing to stick with them and give them another full season. And sometimes, look, they did the same thing with Baker Mayfield, right? Threw him to the Wolves. Guess what? They figured out he could play early. And then it sort of faded a little bit, but enough to, to commit to him. And then when they realized they had a better option, they moved off of him. And that's all you can really do. So, yes, they have to find out if he can play. And that is the only job that they have this year. Because if you need a quarterback next year and that's the year to do it, then go ahead and do it. I, I, I don't – I think you said it succinctly. I, I felt the same way for the longest time. We've talked about this prior to the draft. And I said repeatedly, throw him to the Wolves. Look, if your offensive line is going to stink, at least put somebody back there that can run. And Ritter can run. Right. I mean, he can. I'd rather watch him take off. I'd rather him do what Lamar Jackson did his first year uh, and, and throw the ball sparingly and take off and run and make games fun and competitive and give your chance a team to win as opposed to Marcus Mariota getting sacked 75 times this year. Like that, that's not just a recipe that is good for anybody. So uh, I'm curious to see how and when they're going to deploy him. But I'll say this too, Aaron watch when the schedule comes out. When you see that, uh, that bye week come in. I'd pencil the next game as the one that he's going to start. If you get five or six weeks, uh, if they don't have a buy until like week seven, if they end up with a buy in week four, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but either that, look for their first Thursday night game, and whenever it is, whether he has an extra three or four days to prepare as a starter, that's the one where you throw him in and he's done. And if Marcus Mariota doesn't realize that right now, well, um, tell him I've got some some oceanfront property in Baghdad to sell him um, because uh, he's he's fooling himself if he thinks he's the long-term answer here. I don't care how, how much he knows Arthur Smith. That's just not going to happen. So we agree from that standpoint. Uh, overarching thoughts, though. I mean, you're happy with the draft. And I think that, you know, these were just the beginning steps of this process. But there's a whole bunch of wait and see left, right? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's <laughs> – I, I joke, it's a low bar to clear. Like last year's draft, it was Kyle Pitts, and that was about it. And now you just needed to get some good players in the building. And, you know, you and I – didn't agree with the selection of taking a wide receiver in that first round, but they got a good wide receiver. Uh, they got a good pass rusher. They got some, you know, a linebacker. They got a potential running back. They got some other guys that can be some role players. They got potentially a quarterback. Um, so they checked a lot of the boxes 
And so while I'm not going to sit here and say like this draft is going to make the Falcons into, you know, a playoff contender, all you need to do is upgrade the talent level. And I think they were able to accomplish that. So mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And uh, shame on Desmond Ritter for saying he's uh, going to be here until they win a Super Bowl. Dude, just say ready and ready to go to work. Like you don't have to make, I, I, look, I, I, kid, thanks. We appreciate it. But just, just don't do that to yourself, man. You know, Josh Rosen said it too. I'm going to win Super Bowl. Yeah, Josh Rosen isn't in the NFL anymore. Like, you know, just stop. Like you can just say, hey, I'm ready to go to work. Play with the chip on your shoulder quietly. You don't have to do it out loud for the world to see. There you go. All right, brother. Listen, you have a uh, wonderful Monday. I appreciate the time as always. You can follow him on Twitter at F-A-L-C, F-A-N-S, Falc fans. He is Aaron Freeman from Locked on Falcons. Make sure you guys check out the podcast there as well. Thanks for the time as always, brother. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Of course. All right. Coming up next. Uh, the Atlanta Braves starting a big series with the New York Mets, and everybody's panicking if the Braves can't sweep and get back in the uh, NL East. It's only May. We'll do that next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast search, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast search, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Love to hear from you guys. Love the interaction. Tell me what you like about the show. Please feel free to hit me up. Make sure you subscribe and like. Follow us on YouTube as well. Uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Locked On Sports Atlanta. And we appreciate you guys being a big part of what we're doing every single day. Speaking of every single day, they play baseball every single day, almost. Uh, and the Braves, oh, by the way, uh, cost me some money yesterday. Why? Uh, because I bet on them to win the final game of the series when Max Fried was the starter as of like 8.30 in the morning yesterday. And then, lo and behold, Snifker pulled the old switcheroo. Pulled the old switcheroo. Kyle Fuller in there. Max Fried got to go sit on the bench. Or Kyle Muller, whatever his name is. Anyway, Kyle Muller sucked and got optioned to AAA right after the game was over and the Braves got blown out and they lost a series to the Texas Rangers. And I lost some money. Anyway, welcome to betting, folks. It happens. That said, um, the move of... Moving Max Freed from the Sunday game here to the Mets series was a little bit curious, to say the least. And maybe, just maybe, a little bit of sign of, uh, what's the word we're looking for here? Um, oh, God. Oh, panic! Everybody's panicking. The Atlanta Braves at 10 and 13 currently sit six full games behind the New York Mets, who are 16 and 7 with the very best record in all of baseball ah okay Mets are playing 700 ball i've tried to tell you guys this that's not going to last uh so so chill but it is telling to me that brian snitker would have rather faced the mets with his ace then go beat up on the texas rangers who have a really bad pitching staff and could have easily gotten a win in a series that's weird logic to me it really is. Um, and I get that there's a direct correlation to playing your rival and playing them in the first series of the year when you're going to meet them and you're trailing by six games. Um, and obviously, there's not that much baseball left. Oh, wait. There's a ton of baseball left. Like a, like a lot, a lot of baseball left. So I don't really get that decision at all. Go out and just win games. You don't have to overthink this. Why is there so much pressure all of a sudden on catching the New York Mets? It's May 2nd, folks. Chill. 
Like Snitker, I disagree with the move wholeheartedly. Why? Because you're more guaranteed to beat the Mets, who are tearing the cover off the ball, have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball right now, have a plus 37 run differential, which I think is the best in Major League Baseball. No, if it's second to the Yankees, or a plus 41. Uh, and the Dodgers are a plus 47. Anyway. I, I, I suppose you have a better chance at beating the Mets as opposed to whoever else was going to start. Certainly, Colin Muller, if he was starting, he was going to get shelled. But that's neither here nor there. My point is, is that, like, there is no reason to make that what feels like a desperate move. Why? It's May, dude. Just go play ball. You know, I mean, look, the Mets won last night. They beat the Phillies. So you lost. So you should, if you would have played Kyle... Uh, I'm sorry, if you would have played Max Free yesterday instead of Kyle Muller, guess what? And you win, you'd only be five games out. I... <laughs> what are we doing here? There's way too much panic right now. It, it seemed like a desperate move to me. And, and maybe there was something more of it than I thought. The only thing I read was that Max Free was pulled to start game one of the Mets series. All right. Yep, whatever. I, I mean, if you don't sweep them, and you only gain one game, what, what do we do? Do you feel better that you're five games out now on March 5th as opposed to seven games out on March 5th? Like, what, what, what are you doing here? You lose two or three, you're going to end up seven games out. You win two or three, you're going to end up five games out, and it's still going to be March 5th, and you're still going to have, oh, I don't know, 140 games of baseball left. What are we doing here? What, 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 what kind of logic is this? Can we all just pump the brakes on the Atlanta Braves right now, and just relax. They're going to be fine. They are going to be fine. All you got to do is hover around the 500 mark, which they're doing. Would I like them to be above 500? Yes. Would I like them to have a better run differential? Yes. But am I worried about any of this? No. There's no reason to be worried about any of this. They're going to be fine. They're going to be a playoff team. Don't overthink it. It's too early. It is way too early. And what's shocking is, is that you would think that fans of the Braves would let up a little bit after they won the World Series last year. You guys are more tense now than you were last year. I don't get it. Someone's got to help me out. I can't, I can't figure this out. We got to get Grant McCauley back on here. I can't figure this out. It makes no sense. None. So they'll start Max Fried tonight. And I think it's Charlie Morton tomorrow. Uh, and then finishing up the series should be Ian Anderson, if my calculations are correct. No, they got Kyle Wright going in game three. So, uh, no, that – oh, they have a doubleheader tomorrow already? What did I miss? I missed something. It's a four-game set. Ian Anderson is going on Wednesday. Okay. Well, this is a doubleheader, 310, and uh, I guess this is part of the makeups from uh, the – the revamped series. So uh, it's a four-game series with the Mets with a doubleheader. Uh, welcome to uh, post-lockout baseball. So, yeah, Charlie Morton and Kyle Wright going. The Mets haven't decided their second starter for that doubleheader yet. Uh, tomorrow as well, it will also be uh, Chris Bassett going for the Mets. You get Carlos Carrasco in the first game of the doubleheader, as I said, undecided. And then Ian Anderson and Tyler McGill uh, finishing up on Wednesday. Uh, a lot of day baseball this week, so we will follow along with you. But just relax, folks, on the Braves, please. I, I can't deal with the stress. It, it, it's it's way too early in the season to start losing your mind over this stuff. It really, really is. So chillax, Brosef.
All right, again, give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Appreciate you guys watching and listening to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We're free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making A to Z your first listen every day. Now make sure your second listen. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, the Atlanta sports talker. Right here, John Chuckery, every day. And anytime you want with real hard-hitting fans' takes about Atlanta sports. Hard-hitting with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Free and available on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. You guys go out there. Have a great Monday. Don't get any crap. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.